Welcome. Welcome to online worship with Kern Memorial United Methodist Church in Oak Ridge. Thank you for joining us in worship. You are a valued community of faith uh, to us, and we welcome you. Our theme for this service is recognizing the risen Jesus. The incredible Emmaus story that they recognized Jesus in the breaking of bread. And so in this service, we will break bread as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So we ask you to uh, prepare and take whatever you have there at home as we prepare to celebrate the sacrament. Again, thank you for joining us in the worship of God. We worship as an Easter people with an Easter faith, seeking to live Easter faith lives and to fulfill our Easter faith mission. We celebrate the affirmation of the scriptures that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and that he shall reign forever and ever. And so we worship. Let us pray. Gracious God, indeed, as we worship as an Easter people, as Christians, as followers of the risen Jesus, as we pray as an Easter people year-round, not only in these weeks, but year-round always an Easter people, we pray that we truly take to heart your Easter victory in Christ. Certainly diff difficult to take in and to wrap our minds and, and hearts around as it was for the, the women, as it was uh, for the earliest disciples and others. But gracious God, we pray that we would hear and believe the testimony from the tomb that he is not here, that he is risen, that we would hear and believe the testimony of the witnesses, of the many people to whom the risen Jesus appeared over those 40 days. And gracious God, as always, we pray that our faith in Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, will give us hope and courage to go forth. Gracious God, we, we pray especially for the Easter faith and Easter hope of the suffering and imperiled people throughout the world. Oh, gracious God, the, the millions uh, still in Ukraine, the, all of the you know, refugees in, in so many places, and including those coming to this country. And gracious God, we pray for Easter faith and courage for other peoples who 
are endangered or who are suffering or hurting or in despair in whatever ways and whatever place. Oh, gracious God, we pray that you would lead us to put our prayers in, into actions and through outward acts of, of compassion and support and, and generosity. And gracious God, we pray that we would be faithful no matter what the condition of the world around us, that we would live with victory, the hope of Easter. We pray, gracious Lord, in, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray as we would pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our gospel lesson is Luke 24, verses 28 through 35. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Three weeks ago on Palm Sunday, we remembered that Jesus actually wept as he approached Jerusalem. And St. Luke uh, told us why it was that Jesus wept. Jesus wept because they did not know the things that made for peace. And Jesus wept because they did not recognize the time of their visitation from God. And we remembered and thought about the sadness, even tragedy, if and when, when God would appear in our very midst and we would not recognize God's visitation. Well, in the same way, what about when the risen Christ appeared and those that did not recognize Jesus and those that later did. And think of the blessing 
when we would recognize the risen Jesus and the sadness, even the, the tragedy, if we fail to recognize Jesus. Martin Luther told a story about himself about 500 years ago. Uh, Martin Luther was in his study. Uh, another priest came by and, and said, Martin, do you believe in Easter? Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? And Martin Luther said, of course. Of course I believe in Easter. And his friend said, Martin, your face looks like Jesus is dead and buried and remains in the tomb. Bishop Will Williman uh, has a blog, and last week he posted a sermon entitled, quote, A Sermon for Low Sunday, that a week ago, the Sunday after Easter, is designated by many as, quote, Low Sunday. We would think that is Easter Sunday plus one, but know that for so many of us, not just the week after Easter, but maybe days or even hours after our Easter worship celebration, we might feel and think and live as if Jesus were still dead and buried in the tomb outside of Jerusalem. This past Monday, Don Jones, who is the uh, communication director for the host and annual conference of the United Methodist Church, uh, posted an online question. He said, describe in one word uh, how you feel today, one day after Easter. And these were a few of the responses. Forlorn, exhausted, whew, sad, blah, exhausted, a, a pastor's futile attempt at humor, defeated. But there were 105 you know, other responses. And looking at just a few dozen of them, in contrast to the other responses that were really so sad. Uh, one day after Easter, the most uh, common response was grateful. The second most uh, common response was blessed or absolutely blessed. Peace, hopeful, revived aware, thankful, renewed, full, connected, loved, wow, ready to go again. And what a week we had at Kern. The last two, just so exuberant, they could not be defined, confined to one word. But the, the contrast, and we find it in in this very story, we find it throughout Christian history. And in this incredible Emmaus village story, 
we find the group going from one to the other. From not recognizing the risen Jesus and being in despair to actually recognizing the risen Jesus and having their lives transformed. The story. The story is narrated to us by Luke as happening Easter evening. And we find that uh, two individuals, one is unnamed, the other is Cleopas, who, are, uh, who happen to walk the, the few miles from Jerusalem uh, to the village of Emmaus. And then suddenly a stranger appears and walks alongside them. Luke tells us that indeed it is the risen Jesus, but they do not recognize him. And the, the strangers are, are talking about what, what had just happened. And, or excuse me, the stranger asked them what they're, they're talking about. And, and the two said, where have you been? We are talking about this Jesus of, of Nazareth who, who came to do um, God's work and, and he was crucified. And, uh, and then we have, we have heard this you know, incredible story, you know, already uh, a few hours later that he was risen and that he had, you know, had appeared. But they, they keep on walking. And, and the risen Jesus either even says, you, you don't believe? You, you really do not believe? And then the risen, unrecognized Jesus starts explaining to them some of the scriptures. But they arrive in Emmaus. The, the two individuals stop at their destination place, and the stranger, Jesus, keeps on walking. And they say, well, wait, wait, uh, you'll come back. It's, uh, it's in the evening. It's getting late. You'll come and, and, and stay with us and come and sit down at, at the table uh, with us. And then as we, as we heard read that uh, you know, while we're, they were there uh, eating, that the stranger takes bread and blesses it and, and, and breaks it. And it was then, in that act, of the breaking of, of the bread, that, that they recognized Jesus. And then the next day, the, uh, the two you know, go back to Jerusalem and tell the remaining 11 what, what they had experienced. And they said, there was something about this stranger. And, and while we were walking along with the stranger, our, our hearts were burning inside of us, but we recognized him in the breaking of bread. And in one event, they went from not recognizing Jesus right there with them to recognizing Jesus. 
So what has happened in the story? First, there was the welcoming a stranger. That the, the two individuals and the others who were there, but they invited, they welcomed, they included a stranger. Certainly a God thing. It goes you know, all the way back to uh, you know, Abraham uh, welcoming the stranger at, at Mamre in the book of Genesis and, and being blessed by God. It goes back to God telling Moses and Moses telling the people, you welcome the stranger for you once were strangers in the land of Egypt. It, it goes back to Leviticus when uh, God said through Moses, not only you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but you shall love the stranger as yourself. It goes back to Jesus himself who said, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. They welcomed the stranger, invited him in to stay with them, Secondly, and also so importantly, they received from the stranger. The two and others were recipient of the kindness of the stranger. Not only did they give, but they also received. Sometimes we find it difficult to receive. Sometimes receiving makes us feel, you know, super humble or maybe, you know, out of control or, or, or whatever. But receiving grace from others is certainly a God thing. And we recall from just a, a few nights before this that Jesus insisted that he wash their feet that the disciples receive that act of grace from them. The welcoming of the stranger, the receiving from the stranger. And third, we realize the obvious, this was a meal. This was a common meal. But we know that in Scripture, meals so often were not common, but extraordinary. And that as, as we would gather, as they would gather with people, not only to be fed, but a meal was vital for fellowship, uh, vital for the human community. And this is a meal, a regular meal. Then fourthly, it is obvious that this, this reminded the two and, and others later and us of the meal. Of the meal. They, they remembered, and in the, the words of Jesus, the very same words he, he used three nights before were his actions that he, that he blessed 
and broke and gave. It was the meal, all of these together, leading up to what we call Holy Communion, that they recognized the risen Jesus. Welcoming a stranger. In this very room, there is a, a large banner that says, there are no strangers here, only friends yet to meet. In the spring of 2006, when I was being appointed here as, as pastor and meeting with the community, my first time evening within this sacred place, we were given a tour of the building. We were brought into this very room, and that same banner just struck us. There are no strangers here. And this church, Kern Memorial Church, believes that and lives that. And that the, the opportunity of welcoming a stranger. And, and what if uh, Kern Memorial Church and, and all churches and all Christians stepped up and stepped in even further, even deeper in welcoming the stranger in, in whomever they might be, uh, whatever their, their circumstance, that's central to our mission more than ever will be welcoming the stranger. But receiving from the stranger, and we know that, and we've experienced that, and we believe that as Christians, that, that we find ourselves receiving from the stranger. In fact, encountering Jesus in in the stranger. And what if God would open our eyes and ears and hearts and lives even deeper, even more fully, to uh, receiving from you know, the stranger? One of the great memories uh, Kerr Memorial Church has that also occurred in this very room was the angel food ministry. And an incredible ministry of, of one time a month. And there were dozens of, of current members and staff involved in the, the organization and, and the receiving and the, the distribution of, of food once a month. And it was such a blessing that we remember so richly. But, but the angel food was that one day, and it was our... Uh, the newcomers, you know, coming through a, a line, and we were able to have only a, a limited uh, interaction with them, and it was uh, difficult to uh, develop further relationships with them. And, and what if that we could take receiving from the stranger even more, more deeply, and that God would lead us in our personal lives, in our church lives, into circumstances and, and events and times and, and places 
where we could relate with and get to know better and receive from the stranger, from the newcomer, as they might receive from us. But it was, it was a meal. And we know the importance of meals in our relationships in our lives. Uh, we know the, uh, the importance uh, of the, the long tradition of, of meals in, in the church fellowship and uh, all the interaction uh, around the, the meal table. And Kerr Memorial Church, like others, has uh, the past experience and present experience and, and will certainly continue. And, and what if we could uh, go further and deeper and, and wider in the seemingly common meals together that we know really are uncommon? that seemingly ordinary meals are not ordinary. The, uh, the same uh, Bishop Will Williman has, uh, has written a book called A Sunday Dinner. And, and in that book, uh, in communion, uh, really about communion, he says that we often say and hear and we believe that the, the families that pray together stay together. But he asserts, he said really as much, that the families that eat together stay together. And the importance of the common meal for families, but including the church family. And then and then, the meal, the highest and ultimate meal the Lord's Supper. And what has occurred you know, over the years and what can occur each and every time that we come to the Lord's table. And what if the living Christ would, would lead us to experience the Lord's Supper as fully, as deeply, as spiritually, as, as the wonder of yet another spiritual experience might be granted us. Douglas Meeks, a retired United Methodist Seminary professor, has written in a newly published book as of two weeks ago, a book entitled What Next on the Future of the United Methodist Church. He writes this about the Lord's Table. He says, the Lord's Table is the place of preparation for mission to the whole world. Think of that. The Lord's table and the Lord's supper. Her name is Sarah Miles, who has become a, a noted Christian author in, in the past 20 years or so. We remember the beloved, now Reverend Daniel Ogle, and he gave me Sarah Miles' first book entitled, Take This Bread. She says it is a spiritual memoir of a 21st century Christian. 
Sarah Miles writes that she was a 47-year-old atheist and the daughter of atheist. And sadly, her, her grandparents on both sides of the family, their grandfathers were ministers and, and missionaries. But somehow through those experiences, both her, her parents were, were atheists, and so she was a kind of a proud, card-carrying atheist, she said, until. And she recounts not no, really knowing why she did this. She had become a successful writer in uh, San Francisco. But she found herself going into a, a small Episcopal church, the St. Gregory's Episcopal Church, a mission Episcopal church in an impoverished area in, in San Francisco. And she, she said she found herself there uh, in this small uh, chapel with uh, going into a small service with about 20 people and some things happening that she didn't understand. And then she was given some bread. And she was given a cup. And she said, that was my first communion. It changed everything. She said, I found communion at the eternal and material core of Christianity. Body, blood, bread, wine poured out freely, shared by all. I discovered a religion rooted in the most ordinary but subversive practice, a dinner table where everybody is welcome, where the despised and outcast are, are honored. She says, Jesus invites everyone to his table. And she said, something outrageous and terrifying happened to me. Jesus happened to me. Jesus happened to me. She said the greatest thing that ever happened to her. And immediately, Sarah Miles made the connection between the eating the holy meal and the common meal. She immediately, on her own, uh, began uh, collecting and, uh, and distributing food to those that needed it. You know, she didn't have an, an organization. She didn't have committee uh, approval. She just did it. And she started, uh, then with a few others, some food ministries and especially sit-down meals together. Sit-down meals together all throughout the city. And this cynical, atheist, uh, intellectual, 47-year-old uh, recognized Jesus in the breaking of the bread. And she was transformed. 
And oh, how the, those two changed. And how they went from Jerusalem to Emmaus in despair and darkness. And how they returned the next day to Jerusalem and the disciples. Transformed in victory and joy. That they had recognized the risen Jesus. And in their lives, it happened in the breaking of the bread. And so we now, we now have the privilege of coming to the to the sacred table in the aftermath of Easter, in the afterglow of Easter. We remember Jesus' words when he said, do this, do this in remembrance of me. And the early church did, and the church has ever since. And so Jesus that night, having invited those 12, and we remember who those 12 were, said, this is my body that is broken for you. And so would you now take the bread or whatever you have? And Jesus said, take and eat. And Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Drink in remembrance of me. Gracious God, we remember that this meal is called Eucharist by so many Christians, that this meal is called Thanksgiving. And gracious God, we are so thankful. May we, we realize the gift, the mystery, and the meaning the power latent within this meal that we call this meal communion, meaning with together. And how we pray and thank you for the opportunity of, of communion with, with one another, of partaking this this meal together, of communion with Christians all throughout the world this day that are eating and drinking, with Christians all down through the ages 
And we thank you especially for the communion with you, O God. We pray that that this moment, indeed each moment of our lives, but we pray that this sacramental moment become a profound moment of communion with you. Gracious God, we pray that you would indeed you open our eyes that, that we could see and open our ears, ears that we might hear and open our hearts that we might understand, and most of all, believe. And, O gracious God, grant us to recognize you, the risen Christ, wherever, however, in whomever, you would come. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us in, in worship, online worship with Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. We pray that you have been blessed that we all are an Easter people with an Easter faith to live Easter lives and an Easter mission. And now may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the communion of the Holy Spirit, bless you always. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.